strategize together. Let's hear it from an expert. Join the conversation, it's informative and free. You and me, let's talk some strategy. Here's your host, Doreen Morin Van Dam. Hello, everybody. It is Doreen Morin Van Dam as your host of Strategy Talks once again. Uh, thank you so much for those of you who are joining us live, whether you're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or perhaps on YouTube. We welcome you. If you happen to catch this on the replay, please put hashtag replay in the comments so my guests and I both know that you're watching it. And if you have questions, please ask them. Last but not least, I want to do a shout out to those of you who listen to Strategy Talks as a podcast. We appreciate you so much. Before I introduce you to my guests, I want to do a shout out to our sponsor, Social Insider. They are the intuitive dashboard for social media analytics, reporting, and competitors analysis for brands and agencies. If you need data, you need Social Insider. So without much further ado, I want to introduce you to my guest today, Rachel Lindteigen. How are you, Rachel? I am great. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited. I know, me too. And especially because the topic, SEO strategies for organic traffic, is so dear to my heart. As an organic strategist, this is perfect. I can't wait to talk shop with you. So for those of you who don't know Rachel, let me introduce you to her or her to you. Rachel Lintigan is a marketing expert with more than 20 years of experience. She's focused on SEO and content for the past decade, working with some of the biggest e-commerce retailers, creating strategies that drove eight figures annually from SEO for most of her clients. Today, she runs Etched Marketing and teaches SEO to entrepreneurs in an easy to understand, non-techy way so they can get more website traffic without buying ads. Rachel has a BA in broadcast journalism and an MBA in marketing. So it is right up my client's alley. What you do and what I do is really very similar, except that I don't teach. I do it for people. So we're going to talk about some of these things. So the first question I have for you, Rachel, and let me just pull it up because I have it right here. So SEO strategies of organic traffic. That sounds like content, content marketing. marketing. Is that what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk a lot about it. What we're actually going to talk about is the synergy between the two. Oh, so right. If you're just doing content marketing, you're actually missing part of the puzzle. If you're just doing SEO, you're missing part of the puzzle. You need both working together to get the best results. So we're going to talk about that today. Oh, right. That's very interesting. And that's probably something a lot of people have kind of forgotten about. SEO, a lot of people associate SEO with Google Ads. Yeah, and not right? at all. Because yeah. Google Ads is actually SEM, which is search engine marketing. Google Ads are paid. Right. SEO is search engine optimization. It's the process that we take on our websites to make it easier for Google to understand what our content is about. So they're more likely to trust us and show our content when people are searching for things that are relevant to us. So it really truly is the way that we work with Google. So if you're not doing SEO, you want to pay attention to this, this session for sure, because you're going to want to be doing it by the end. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait. So how do we start? 
right? So say somebody's like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm just doing content marketing or I'm just doing the, you know, Google ads and I'm just paying somebody to put content on my website. I really don't have a good strategy. Where do we start? Is an audit, is that appropriate? An audit can be a good thing if you already have content on your website and you understand analytics enough to know what's working and what's not working. If you already have a keyword ranking tool in place, things like that. Generally, when clients or students come to me, they don't understand what the information in analytics says. So -hmm. they have a bunch of numbers, but they don't know what any of it means. And maybe they've been doing SEO for a while, but they've not been getting results and they're not sure what they're doing wrong. Sure. Where we want to start is just by taking a deep breath and understanding that it's actually a lot easier than people have tried to convince you it is because there's this this perception that SEO is complicated, it's techy, it's hard, it's above my pay grade, all of this. And you got, it's not. It's actually much more simple and straightforward. So the very first place to start is with the understanding that you need to do SEO or search engine optimization in order to get traffic to your website, organic traffic, free traffic. Now, if you have a budget and you're willing to buy ads to get the traffic to your website, then maybe you don't have to do it. But if you want to get free traffic, you need it. So the very first thing to do is just to come into it with an open mind and to think about Google in a new way. You want to partner with Google and search Mm -hmm. engine optimization gives you the opportunity to partner with Google. You explain what your website is about by following the SEO best practices and having your keyword in all the places that Google is going to look for it. Google then has a better understanding of your website and is more likely to show it to people. So where do we start? The very first thing is to make sure that we choose a keyword that we can Mm. rank for. And this is the biggest mistake that I see clients and students both. I just ran a live training class last week. I had a bunch of students in with me getting ready to enroll in the, the course. And every single one of them was thinking wrong about their keywords. So that's what I really want you to understand. The keyword with the big giant search demand, oh, it seems awesome. If only I could rank for that. You're probably never going to rank. But beyond that, it's probably not even the right keyword. So what I really want you to focus on is finding a keyword that your ideal customer uses and then making sure that your website has the ability to rank for that keyword. That means you need to go to Google and you need to put that keyword in the search bar and you need to see what kind of websites pop up. Are they similar to you? Are they your competitors? Are they local or are they big giant brands? I work with a lot of realtors and crafters and small business owners is Etsy, Realtor, Zillow, Amazon. Like if those are the sites that are showing up or there's stores that like I used to work with them at the agency and they're in every mall or they're in every city and they have hundreds of locations. My friend, that is not a keyword for you because you're not going to beat them. And so you're going to do all your effort. You're going to do it all the right way and you're going to get no results. So the very first thing you need to do is learn what to look for when you're selecting a keyword. From there, everything else is much easier. But your core, core, core starting point is to learn about SEO keywords. Okay, so that is fantastic. And now I'm thinking, what SEO keyword did I pick for my website, right? So that might not be in the right space, but I love this. I love this approach, right? So 
what say if you if you sell running shoes but you know you're in competition with all the big brands but so how would you pick a keyword that would still have local traffic come to you and i'm just picking that because i don't currently have a client with a running i used to have consulted with a, a local running shoe store so what would you pick then obviously running shoes would that you can't compete with that. So how would you then go about figuring that out? You just walked into my absolute favorite example without knowing it. So okay. the way that I teach this is running shoes because everybody and their brother understands shoes. I'm a runner. That's why I picked yeah. it. <laughs> so we're going to start at the very top. Shoes. Shoes seems like such an amazing keyword. Oh my gosh, if I could rank for shoes, there's one to three million searches a month. The position number one website generally gets 34 to 37% of the traffic. So just to make it easy, we're going to say, if I could rank in position number one, I get 340,000 searches a month for people looking for shoes. This is amazing. But is it? Because what kind of shoes are they looking for? Are they looking for shoes for them, their dog, their kid, their spouse? We don't know. So now we go further down the sales funnel. Maybe we find out they're looking for women's shoes or they're looking for women's running shoes. Now we could probably create a category page. And if we had the authority to rank for that, we could probably get some traffic, but we wanna go even further. Now we wanna go into a specific type of shoe, really getting closer to that conversion point. So we're gonna use mine as an example, women's Asics Gel Kayano running shoe. Now, because we have such a tailored or niche keyword, even though our search demand is significantly lower, if we could rank in position number one for women's Asics Gel Kayano running shoe, what kind of conversion do you think we would have? It would be huge. So even if there's only 3,000 visits a month or 300 or 30, they're really looking for that product. Now, to take it a step further, as a small business owner, we're not going to rank for women's Asics Gel Kayano running shoe. It's still a large keyword from that perspective. So that's where we really think about our content strategy. And we start to look at what can we provide to our ideal customer that is of value and helpful. So maybe we look for keywords that are targeting things like um, a fit guide for running shoes or how to select the perfect running shoes or how to do a fit test. Should you go to a running store to have a fit test done? Should you order them online? Does brand matter? Does price matter? Does stuff like any of those type content topics, mm -hmm. you're going to generally see lower search demand, lower competition, but you're still focusing on a very targeted customer. So that's how you really go about finding those opportunities. Then in your blog post or in your content piece, you link to your products and services that you offer that are tied to that keyword. And that's how you make money from your content. Oh, I love it. And I'm just um, right here. I have a dog outside my door. So I'm just texting my family. Nothing like live recording, right? Um, and I love that. So the, the main keyword that you need, and then you're going to deep down and then you're going to do all that, you know, and I, and my example would have been Brooks Adrenaline that I've been running in for 12 years. Yeah. So I love that you have ASICs, um, geek out on running shoes. <laughs> so I love what you said. So then you create all that other content around it. Right. And yeah. so can you rank, so say you sell and women's, so, you know, we're going to continue with running men's shoes, 
women's shoes, kids running, they're all running shoes and you have different brands. Do you, and I heard you say, um, was it anchor post or did you say um, categories? What was it? So generally we choose categories. So let's pretend, let's just go with this example of the local running store. So let's say they sell men's, women's and children. So normally when I would talk about creating content, I generally recommend that we choose four pillars for topic areas just to keep life simple because we generally want to have one piece of content a week. And if we have four pillars, that's one piece for each of our ideal customers or each of our product lines each month. So we'll do men's, women's, children. And then how about just a general one, like on running tips? Mm Mm-hmm. So each month we would create a piece with a targeted keyword around men's running shoes, children's running shoes, women's running shoes, and then runner's tips, because that's another way that we're providing value. We're showing that we're helpful and we're still staying on brand for us. Mm -hmm. And every blog post that you write, that you use SEO with your content and you start with your foundation, with your SEO strategy, meaning you start with keywords that you know there's search volume for and you can rank for is an opportunity to be found on Google to Mm -hmm. make money because then you're going to link to your products and services. And it's helpful. It's not in a salesy, pushy way. It's just, hey, this is information you need. And oh yeah, we have the product over here if you want it. But it's not like buy, 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 buy because nobody wants buy, 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 buy. Sleazy, salesy. Nobody wants that. So don't be that person. Just be helpful. Focus above all focus on your ideal customer. And does this piece of content that I'm creating help them? Because that's really the bottom line. Even Google's latest algorithm update is literally called the helpful content update. That was the big one that came out this fall. All they want you to do is be helpful. I'm like, yes, it's what I've been preaching for 10 years. Google just wants you to help your customer. What a novel idea. Yeah, that's awesome. I use the um, They Ask You Answer system by Marcus Sheridan. Yep. Um, he wrote that book. I've been using it. And I, I think he used to um, talk about that before he actually wrote the book. But, yep. you know, he would say, write down any question that your customer comes up with and answer them on your blog. And that's really what I've been doing. And that's a strategy. Um, but I love that you also that you break it down into four pillars that makes it more visual for me working with a client or working for myself. I need to write one blog post for each of these four categories. That makes a lot of sense. So are there any things that we shouldn't be doing? Like as we're thinking about this and um, you know, you've given us some great guidelines on how to pick a keyword and um, you know, how to do the pillars and, and then what to write, but what should we not do? Okay. So there are a few things. Let's just hit on AI content because it's the hot topic right now. AI is a great tool. Do not, do not, do not, do not just rely on it to write your posts and publish it. Google is going to know that that's not quality content. And I've been testing the tools out. And I do think ChatGPT has the best opportunity and the best potential of any of the tools that I've played around with. But even it is not enough. So if you use a tool to help you generate ideas or to help you with a rough draft, awesome. Do not publish as is. Go back through, reread it, edit it, make sure that it makes sense, make sure that it doesn't feel like it's duplicating. That's something that I've seen. I've been testing it out recently, and there's a lot of repetitiveness in the content itself. I did two posts recently because I wanted to see how would it work? 
And sure enough, there's words verbatim in both of them. So you don't want that because Google refers to that as duplicate content. You will actually get penalized. So use those tools as tools. Do not use them to do your work completely for you and just publish it. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I, I love that you're saying it. You're doing it for research. I have, you know, I'm a blogger. My clients blog. So we might, I might write something in my own words and I would put it in chat GPT and say, can you make it grammatically better? Or can you make this into an 11th grade level writing, right? So I feel like there, it's my writing. I put my own writing in and I have it improve it or the other way around where I have them write something and then only a part of a blog, maybe an opening paragraph or two sentences. And then I will, you know, change out some words and, you know, change this stuff. So I love that you brought up AI because I think that's, a, that's a big one. And, and I had a client already ask, like, you know, can I have them write everything for me? I'm like, no, but you yep. can ask it. Say you want to write um, five ways to tie your shoe you can put in what are five ways to tie your shoe to get the ideas, but then Absolutely. you write, but then you write the content, right? It's, it's doing the research for you. If you normally would go to Google and research that stuff and link to articles now chat GT, GPT, if it's open on your desktop, you can just ask it questions and it does that research and it pulls it up. So it makes it faster for you to do your work, but yeah, it can't Absolutely. replace your work. Absolutely. And don't necessarily take it from a grammatical or a um, mainly grammatical. So I use Grammarly. I'm a really good writer. I'm not a good editor. And I went to journalism school and one of my professors is like, honey, stop trying to worry about it. There are good editors. You're a good writer. Just focus on that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Dr. Bill, I will take your advice. So 20 some years ago, I stopped worrying about it. So I use Grammarly. So I took that post from chat B G GPT and I threw it in Grammarly and then I did my editing in there. But there were so many things that Grammarly was like, oh, no, 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 don't do it this way. So make sure you're still using something. If you're not a strong editor, if you're like me and you're not a strong editor, use Grammarly or use a tool like that. You want to make sure that the content that you publish on your site is high quality. You want to make sure it answers the questions that your ideal customer has. Make sure that you're anticipating the questions that they're going to have. The other things that you want to look for are thin content. Google does not like that. So content that doesn't tell you anything, content that's very short, that's very brief, like you're not going to rank with that. You're not going to win with that. You need to make sure that you're thinking about it. So there is no set word count. However, longer, more in-depth pieces do tend to rank higher. So you don't have to write long pieces. I do a mix, some short, some long. I decide which ones really look like they need to go over a thousand words versus which ones can be shorter. The other thing that I found for ChatGPT, because I'm just launching a podcast. So I was playing with it to see, can I do something with my podcast notes or my transcript? And can I turn it into a blog style? And that did work because I took my content from the podcast transcript and I put it in there and it was able to turn it out into a blog post. It was probably 75% okay. And then mm -hmm. I did a little editing so that I can add that. Um, it can't do a long one. It timed out when I tried to do a long transcript, but at least it does help speed things up a little bit. The other thing that we need to touch on is link building. 
Do not ever buy links. And I'm sure you get the emails. I get multiple a week. Buy links, buy links, buy links. Do this, do this. I can sell you links. I can guarantee you get this DA. Don't buy links. So this is link building and crummy content quality. Go back to Google Panda and Penguin, which go back to like 2010, 2012 timeframe. Like we're talking, it's been a decade. These are outdated tactics. People are still trying to do them because people don't know. And so they buy the links. You're going to actually get yourself penalized or you run the risk of getting penalized. And if you get yourself penalized with a link building um, penalty, they're really hard to recover from. Really, really hard to recover from. And- All right. So I have a follow-up question on that. Mm -hmm. So don't buy links. How about those people who offer to get or offer you money to put their link in your content or for you to like, for example, I was writing for a client about uh, central vacuum, right? They, they are um, installing and servicing central vacuums. And I had written several blog posts for them about that. Yep. So somebody in Australia who was writing an article about vacuums, not even central vacuums, wanted me to insert their link into my content. Yep. And I'm like, what's in it for me? Nothing. And, and, and nothing. And so nothing. I was like, so now I'm an editor. Now I should go into my article, open up a website and add a link that's going to benefit you. So I've learned to ask, you know, what do you offer? And I don't want money. Like, would you link to mine? And 99% of the time, they're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> so they hired an agency to do link building for them. I get those as well. Or, hey, I read this post and it was great. And you have all these tools. Would you add our tool? I say no. I don't add because I don't want to take money to endorse a tool. I will I will share a tool if it's one that I use. If it's one mm-hmm. that I use and I trust and I know it's going to help people, I will share it but I don't take money for something that I don't know. And I don't go back and edit and add in links because how exactly what's in it for me? What's in it for my readers? Why would I give them my readers? If you want to build links, you have to provide value. So I build links. I'm going to be real honest. You will link back to my website. That will give me a link, but I'm also in exchange providing value for the audience here. And then hopefully some of the people will like me. They'll start to know me. They'll start to trust me and maybe they'll want to come over and find out my information. That's really how we do it today. We can guest blog. We can um, do podcast interviews. We can do YouTube shows. You can belong to like your local chamber, any groups that you're in, they generally link to your website. Those are all really good things. You want to think of your link portfolio as your neighborhood. Do they make sense? Do those links fit in? Are they relevant? Because if you're linking out to other people on your blog and they're not really relevant to you, Google's not going to like that. And Google knows if you're getting if you're getting links in from like, oh my gosh, if you're like going old school and you're doing forum comments, because I know people still do that. Nobody comments in forums. It's 2023, you guys. The only people who comment in forums are offshore link builders. Like, right. don't do it. Right. 
Okay, that's very good advice. And so if you are watching and listening and you have a blog, this Rachel has been eye-opening for me. I've been doing this for a long time and I'm learning new things. Um, I also feel confident in what I'm doing and the services I'm providing. I'm, I'm on the right track yeah. um, with a lot of stuff. So that's really good. So if, you, if we focus on content marketing, we're talking blogs, right? Does what we post on say YouTube or, you know, we have piece of content, does it help when we take something that's on our website and our blog, then create it in a video link back on YouTube or the other way, like do all of that with the social sites. Does that, should that be part of your SEO strategy as well? It should be part of your overall content strategy because you want to be cross channel across all channels. The content that you create can be repurposed. It doesn't necessarily help with link building though. In So in the past, Google has said, no, they don't look at social signals as part of keyword ranking. However, now they are starting to look at the sentiment. So if it's positive, if it's negative. Now where YouTube comes in, YouTube is actually the second largest search engine only behind Google. And Google owns YouTube and Google hearts Google. So your YouTube videos are very likely to show up in the search results for those keyword searches. So yes, it helps you. And then YouTube search is its own behemoth. And there is so much opportunity there if you want to tackle YouTube. YouTube takes a lot of time and effort. Pinterest is a visual search engine. Pinterest is not just a social media channel. It's a visual search engine. Now, your other more traditional search or traditional social media channels are also starting to take on more search engine-like qualities. Instagram wants you to put keywords in your profile now. Your hashtags are keywords. Having keywords in your content, like they're all starting to use that. So yes, having a cohesive cross-channel content strategy is important. Your blog though should be the center. Your website should be the center and everything goes out from there. So use your content to do an email, use it for your social posts, use it for your videos, use it for your podcast. You can put those things on your website. So if you have a podcast, make sure you're embedding it on your website. If you have a YouTube channel, if you have a blog post and you should be creating blog style content for your podcast episodes and your videos, make sure you're putting those podcast episodes and those videos on those blog posts because that's going to increase the amount of time somebody potentially spends on your site. And it's gonna let people who find you through search know that you have those other channels as well. So they might go follow you there too. So one real quick thing I wanna make sure we touch on is how SEO and content work together to drive the traffic for you. So search engine optimization drives relevant, targeted, interested traffic. That's your no factor. SEO helps people know who you are. Your content is designed or should be designed to nurture. That's your like and trust factor. That's why I say you need both. You need to be known, but you also need to nurture and provide value and build that like and trust factor. And that's how you end up building a business through organic traffic. All right, that right there. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm going to take that into a snippet. That is perfect. I have one more question and my dogs are at my door. This is crazy, but I have a question. My kid just walked in while I was talking. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to mute myself. How do we know 
we are doing it right and it's starting to work. How long? How do we find out? Okay. So it takes a while. So I'm going to be real honest. SEO is not a fast game. It is a long game. You want to think of it more like your retirement account. You know how you put money in your 401k every month and it feels like there's nothing happening. I'm putting money in, but I'm getting nothing. I'm putting, and then one day you look and you're like, wow, I have a lot of money. Huh? That's really cool. It's kind of how SEO is. So you do the work and you do the work and you do the work and it kind of feels like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden you start to see things move in general is 12 to 24 months to really see good results from SEO. You'll have some small wins before that. So the way it works generally is we'll see our keyword ranking start to increase. That means our keyword ranking number will get smaller. We're getting closer to position number one. As we get onto page one, so 10, one through 10, as we get onto page one, we generally will start to see some traffic come from those keywords because now people are finding us because 99.7% of people don't ever go onto page two. So if you want to be found, you have to be on page one. They tease that the best place to hide a dead body is on page two of Google because nobody's going to find it. <laughs> so make sure you're on page one. I think that's an Andy Crestedinia um, quote from Content Marketing World. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great quote. And it's true. I mean, I, I used to teach LinkedIn to college seniors. And I would say that to, you know, something similar, like as long as if something bad happens, you got a traffic ticket or whatever, just get put enough good stuff on yeah. there, like make a LinkedIn profile, a Pinterest account, whatever you need yep. to do to push It'll the bad buried. stuff and bury it on page two and oh, people yeah. won't see it. So. Oh, that's exactly what we did at the agency. We'd have clients come in and they're like, we have these horrible reviews. We've got to bury them. It's like, cool, no problem. We'll get them to page two. Nobody will ever see them. So make sure you're on page one as you start to move up. And the way that you do that is by choosing a keyword you can rank for. We're going to go circle full way back to the beginning, choosing a keyword your ideal customer uses that your website can rank for and using it in those places that Google is going to look for it. That means your URL, your title tag, your meta description, your header tags, your image file names, your copy. You don't have to learn what all of those are right now. I have an SEO quick start guide that walks through everything, including the best practices. So if you want that, you can grab that off my website. Um, but that's what you're going to do because that's how you're helping Google understand what that page is about. Now your keyword starts to move up. Your traffic starts to increase. That's really what you're looking for. The other factor that plays into this is your domain authority. That's how authoritative is your website thought to be in Google's eyes. If your domain authority starts to get bigger, it's on a scale of one to 100. One is low, 100 is high. So it's the inverse of ranking. <laughs> you want a high domain authority you want a low keyword rank. The higher the domain authority, the lower the keyword rank, the more traffic you should start to get. And that's exactly how it works. You can watch your analytics and you can see, okay, my domain authority is going up. My keyword ranking is improving. I should start getting traffic from this keyword. I should start getting traffic to this page. And sure enough, oh my gosh, there it is. That's how you know it's starting to work. What you're looking for is at least 30% of your traffic from organic some of my clients get 60 to 70%. You also want to make sure you have an opt-in on your website so that you're collecting email addresses. You want to set up your goal conversion tracking in Google Analytics so that you can see where your conversions are coming from so you know what channel your people are coming from. So I know when I look in my analytics, how many people found me last month through organic? How many found me from social? How many found me from which social channel? So you can decide where to focus your efforts. That's fantastic. All right. We're out of time. Rachel, 
I found you online, right? We just yeah. met today for the first time yep. and I'm so glad we did. And I definitely want to stay connected to you. If somebody watched this today with all this wonderful goodness, all this information, or if they listen to you on this podcast, how can they find you? And especially that download, that sounds yeah. really interesting. How can they find you? So my website is etchedmarketing.com. Okay. On the homepage, you are going to find a link to all my freebies. That includes that SEO content quick start guide. I also have a free class and I'm in the process. I've just recently launched a podcast, the simple SEO content podcast should be showing up in the uh, directory soon. I'm waiting, <laughs> but very soon. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Rachel, you've been a wonderful guest. I appreciate you. Thank you to those of you who are with us today. And if you have any follow-up question, put hashtag replay in those comments. So Rachel and I will be seeing that and we can answer your questions and please reach out to Rachel if you have questions about SEO, content marketing for organic traffic. And especially if you want to know something specific, go download that guide. Rachel, I appreciate your time today. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Strategy Talks. Bye, everybody.